a giant telepathic ape with rage issues. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Discuss giant telepathic gorillas with attitude issues. Joining me today, <laughs> Craig Peters. Welcome. Hello, Luke. And also joining me is Dan Pierce. Welcome. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm ready to discuss a little bit of Flash because giant apes, telepathic apes with anger issues is always something fun to discuss. Dan, what did you think of the episode? Oh my gosh, did they shoot for the moon. But I loved it at the same time. It, it's it's really interesting to see them a- attempt Gorilla City on their current budget. Because Grodd looks pretty good. And the, the ape that um, Barry ended up fighting looked great too. But you look at the tracking shots of the crowd and you're like, oh, th- oh they couldn't animate all of those. They couldn't. They just, they couldn't, um, but, like, that episode as a whole was so great. You had, like, seeing Julian get all excited because he's going to the Planet of the Apes and seeing, like, Cisco be like, yeah, this is kind of old hat for us. And then Harry shows up, and I miss Harry so much. HR needs to leave, but I know he's not going to. So it's probably going to end up being Tom Cavanaugh playing double duty, which is going to be a whole other experience. But this episode just had so many great moments. And then we had the relationship drama between uh, Jesse and Wally. And it was just it was great. I agree with you. The the primary gorillas were done really well. But as I was watching the gladiator scenes and you panned the stadium, my thought was they really needed to borrow Spartacus's set. Uh, yes. Craig, what did you think of the episode? I thought, I'm sorry, Dan. I thought it was sillier than Al. <laughs> <laughs> That's have understandable. You, have, have you ever guy? Have you guys ever seen Quicksilver in uh, in the uh, uh, Marvel universe? I mean, he could have he could have handled that gorilla without with twitching his fingers. I mean, he could a death of a thousand cuts. I mean, I'm sorry, you got the fastest man alive. You got a gorilla that is having trouble moving. He's so big. I did. I don't get it. I can't get it. I thought the scenes with with Flash and the uh, and uh, HR's daughter were kind of silly and sappy and oh, you love speed more than you love me kind of thing. And I'm thinking, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I love comic books, but yeah, but logic Gorilla logic City, is not really, logic is not something you should be expecting from comic books, Craig. I don't care about logic. I like physics. I like common sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey, we, hey, we live on. Thing. Hey, we live on different Earths. Let's try and make our relationship work. Oh wait, you can't communicate wow. with my Earth. Oh, that means there's relationship problems. Have you ever have you ever read an article? You can find it online somewhere. The the physics of Superman. 
it it kind of tells you what I think. What I think about this episode. <laughs> okay, okay, Dan. I know you um, watched Supergirl, and this may have been my favorite episode. This Valentine's episode. The problem is there is no way in hell I can pronounce the name of the villain, so I'm not going to even try to because I have enough problems with the English language and names <laughs> as it is, much less invent uh, trying to pronounce ones from a fifth dimension. Needless to say. He showed up just as Kara and Monel uh, were about to kiss, and we go on this romp where um, he is trying to win her love and get her to marry him, and she's not having it because everything that he does is like it, to convince her is bad. But he's time out, Luke. You have to pr- introduce this character, Mystical Picklick. There is uh, no I, way I can pronounce that, Craig. After, <laughs> after 17 years of friendship, you should know that. The, the, the problem with this is, um, and people don't know this, a lot of people don't know this, and I love that this character is finally on this show. I hope that it'd show up somewhere at some time in some Superman iteration. He, One of Superman's big vulnerabilities is magic, yep. completely vulnerable to magic. And this this character would show up every once in a while and just absolutely torment Superman. The only way you get rid of him is to get him to say his name backwards or something, you know. Um, and so and then, of course, Superman always came up with his extremely clever ways of getting him to do this. Like Superman is supposed to be incredibly brilliant, which makes Superman versus Batman seem like idiotic to me. Superman's supposed to be completely, completely brilliant. And uh, so. Superman and Kara as Supergirl are vulnerable to this character, and so, and he is the trickster. He is the, the, the Loki. good side of Loki. He's the Loki. He is Puck. He's Puck. He's uh, anyway uh, Puck from Shakespeare. Anybody who's a English guy out there, English guy or gal. Uh, yeah. So this this is this is terrific. It's the first thing I've seen in Supergirl that gives me some hope for the series because that seems like it's going to end up to be a lot of fun. So. A little bit less of the sap and a little bit more of the, the cute See, fun. See, I figured you wouldn't energy. like this episode at all because it was so, like, because to me, this was just Valentine's chocolate sweet. And to, and I'm like, oh, Craig must be hating this episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The, I really like Kara and Monel. Their chemistry is so good. I'm totally shipping them. But there's no way that those two are endgame just because it can't ever go that way. He's a bad guy. He's gonna end up a bad guy. I I can't stand Monel. Oh. oh, he's he's just he like he he kept he's such like this stereotypical character of like I like I'm a frat boy. Like he he pushes that envelope too much, and Carr is trying to step in, being like, "I can do things for myself." Please trust me. I know what I'm doing. I've done this for years. Don't worry about it. It's just, and and he, he just keeps falling at every instance. And then at the very end, he gets like, like the relationship advances between Kara and Monel. That doesn't feel earned like whatsoever. No, it does not. I totally agree. And his name sounds like an STD to me. Well, it's a, it's a character name from lore. It's not like they're actually making it up. 
I know. It just, but anyway, I think he's going to end up a bad guy. I think there've been all the, haven't there been? Am I the only one that's caught this little hints that he's really a bad guy? My personal perspective on it is they've played up the bad boy prince aspect, which she does not yet know about, and he's working really hard to be good. But then we get all of these scenes where the people who are searching from him or yeah. for him um, are really threatening and imposing. And then um, when they go to the planet and the one alien lets him go and bows to him, there's there's undertones there that indicate that he or else the position he holds is dark and threatening. Now, whether or not that ends up being him, I can totally see it being a scenario where his family or his court finds him, and then all of a sudden he's torn between being a good guy and a bad guy, more so than the playboy jock that he is now. I don't necessarily think it will be him that's evil, but I can see where everything around about his past life is. Um, I, I kind of feel like the big storyline from this whole thing was the was Wynn and uh, his new love interest. That was really cool. That, I was not expecting that. But you know, you know she has to be bad. There's just no way. I, Sometimes I don't you know. Have to be bad. Sometimes you have to be bad to be good. You know that. <laughs> yes, Craig. Um, oh wow! But wow. still, th- th- that's what a, the his win scenes with her were ones that were just it, for me totally telegraphed. It's like okay, they're setting up him somehow because it's he's he's basically the Cisco of this show, and that's what happens to Cisco, you know. So I'm like, we'll see what happens, but she's gonna end up being bad. I think so. Something good's gonna end up with Cisco. I'm not so sure about when. I, I, you know, there, there have been, um, articles published on, uh, entertainment weekly that suggesting that this girl is here for the long haul. So I'm, I'm interested to see their relationship develop and how like being good, being bad, being alien, being human, like they're going to go all over the map in terms of like, juxtaposing what it means to be human, what it means to be alien, what it means to be good, bad, all of like, and how like all of these different things don't necessarily always correlate. Dan, I know you're a big fan of the arrow universe this last week, arrow, the last episode of arrow. He was, we had Tara from true blood show up, but of course that's not really who it is. Cause it's not, that can't happen. But it was a situation. Wait, wait, there are lots of Earths. It could really happen. Well, I, I suppose. I suppose it was an interesting episode because it was. It dealt a lot with Oliver de- having to face his past, having to face the fact that he he, he is a, a hero is and a vigilante is be, um, being hunted, and of course, there's always a little speedy trying to fix things and they don't go quite as planned. What did you think? I loved it. She went full Moira and it was fantastic. Oliver even calls her out on it. Yeah. Mom would do this. This is textbook like Moira queen one Oh one. You like, you just destroyed someone's job just to protect someone in the family for what you believe to be like good reasons. It was amazing. Susan is going to come back with a vengeance and I cannot wait because it's all coming to like 
coming to head with his uh, past in Russia, which is created. Carly Pope has been a wonderful addition to that, uh, to Arrow. And I can't wait to see how that plays out. Oh, it's going to be so fantastic. And it gives Oliver this like morally gray love interest. That's not Felicity. And I'm so happy about it. Um, uh, Yeah, there, there was some shade there. Just saying. Um, but no, it's it's actually this whole storyline has given the flashbacks some relevance for the first time in a couple of years where like the things going on in Russia and seeing how Oliver is transitioning from being like this murderer, this Argus agent, this uh, island stranded frat boy and turning into who we see in the first episode. It's really interesting and it gives a lot of like, it it, it makes like the flashbacks relevant again. And it makes you want to watch the first episode again, just to see like how, how seamless or lack thereof of a transition between uh, season five to season or season five flashbacks to season one, episode one. Is it, you know, it's really interesting, but I need, I'm going to need Dig and Dinah to stop flirting. This is getting weird. This is getting really weird because like, I, I don't know, he's married and it just, it's given me all of these like soap flashbacks. And also can this show please, for the love of everything good, please have Curtis win a fight. Yeah, I, that's, that's becoming like, Yeah. Yeah, this is ridiculous. This is like he's a he's a compelling character. He's African American. He's gay. He, he he's like <laughs> he's got so many like awesome qualities in his own character. Plus, he represents so many different social um social breakthroughs and all of this stuff. And you have him get beat up week after week, and it's ridiculous. It's almost insulting at this point. If you look at the character of Jude on Banshee, which was a gay character, that character was also a computer geek and was a great hacker. But he also could fight and hold his own. On Legends, you have Sarah, who's bisexual. She's a very dynamic, powerful character. On Supergirl, the lesbian is a very dynamic, powerful character. But on Arrow, the gay guy who was once a great computer geek who you you loved what he was doing for hacking and things is not that great of a fighter. And I get that not every gay character needs to be that great of a fu- character because that would be a whole nother issue if they were doing it that way. But come on, they can let him have a win every once in a while. Well, yeah. I, have, I have a different perspective of this. I think, I think that Sarah and Alex are rather, are rather shallow characters. There's no depth to them yet. I don't see any any real background to them. At least the the guy from the guy from um, from Carol, yeah, Curtis. He has he has some depth to him. I mean, I see some uh, some. I feel like he's a real character, and maybe that's what they're working for. I'm sure he'll end up being a better fighter over time. I, yeah, I don't like the fact he keeps losing every fight, but but I think I think there's some real depth there. I see a background. I see them developing something more than the other two characters. And so I like I like that, and so I, I like him as a character. 
And I'm sure over time he'll get experience and become. But remember, he came here late. He was not a fighter to begin with, so he's got some growing to do. So so I'm willing to give him a shot. I just I like him as a character. I think he kind of gets away from some of the stereotypes that have set other characters back. So I'm sorry. I'm I'm kind of disagreeing with you guys on this. Not that you're wrong or anything, but I I like I like his character and I can deal with that. So uh, well, sorry to kind of no worries. Odd man out. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. We can't always agree, Craig. It can't be a love fest. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Legends. This last episode was Camelot 3000, where the Legends were going through time to find the Spear of Destiny, and they ended up in oh, Camelot. And Merlin okay. ended up being Stargirl. Now, Craig, I know you love the Merlin storyline. Oh, I you... love it. Like, like... what? It's part of me, yes. What did you think of this interpretation? Okay. I have something to say here right now, okay? This has been a bad week for me. I finished up I finished up my Haven series. William Shatner is a bad guy. Um, let me do this whole read here. Um, Scorpion, the, the top-rated chess player in the world, is a female. Uh, no. <laughs> Not even close to the truth ever. Great, great chess, female chess players. Gorilla City, really. Um, I'm going to say something later about Timeless, but Merlin, my favorite character, who fantasy character ever, is a girl. Uh, 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 I'm having a bad week, guys. <laughs> I, I just I sat through this whole thing saying, "Oh my God, did they really have to do that? Did they have to do that?" I thought I, it was I, I loved... thought it was a clever, and I, I guess I don't have a problem with Merlin being a woman. I just I I thought that. Well, there were other it, there were other it, things about the episode that were, I had it, issues with more than Merlin being cleverly. a woman. They did it cleverly, so it didn't totally throw me out. But but it's just the end of a bad week, and there's another one that's really bad for me. But those 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 several things just had made it kind of kind of weird for me in a week. Like somebody's trying to do something. I you know I would have loved to have had her be. Uh, uh, the uh, Morgan Le Fay. I would love to have had her. As that. that would have fit my whole idea of the universe and the multiverse. Her being Morgan Le Fay and having Merlin be a pal or something. That would have been fine for me. But just having Merlin as a girl just kind of threw me for a tailspin. Sorry about that. But honestly, but I love the way they, they presented it. I don't like her character very much. Do you like well, the her star? Character? The star girl character isn't my favorite, but I actually Ooh. enjoyed how they did this and were able to incorporate it in. Uh, Dan, yeah. what are your thoughts on star girl as Merlin? And apparently the Merlin being a woman being an issue. I, 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 I thought it was fine. I, I didn't really see a huge, huge issue behind it. I like it was, just like a an identity, a persona that she adopted to hide herself in Camelot. Like, just as if you would, you know, like the people in Timeless, like when Rufus calls himself Kanye or like they say they're from General Hospital or what wh what have you. It's just like, oh, yeah, hey. But if he says he's Beyonce, I would have a problem with that. Would you I, not? I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I would care. I, I I'm just <laughs> it it's just like another name that is like the fans are the only ones that are like oh I see what they're doing there they're using like modern things yeah like, understand other than that not a problem other, with that 
not a yeah. problem with that at all. But geez, yeah, <laughs> like I I wouldn't I I would look more towards that if, as just like oh it's a name, but. I was very surprised that Malcolm Merlin wasn't involved in this episode if they were going to pull the Merlin. Yes. That, that, see, that that I could have dealt with. I would have loved that. That would have been good. I like that idea. Yeah. I but, mean, like, that's what I was expecting. But then uh, the Black Knight pulls up his uh, helmet, and it's Damien Dark. And I'm like, that's a little anticlimactic. But, yes. I mean, Damien is more of a killer than Malcolm is. Malcolm would be like this great, like, I don't know, like evil Malcolm sage. Yeah, Malcolm exactly. Pragmatist. He would have fit in with the Merlin character extremely well. I completely agree. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. It's fine. I didn't mind when her incorporating herself into the Knights of the Round Table and stuff like that. The only stuff I had an issue with was when she was actively trying to stop Amaya from taking a part of the Spear of Destiny from the the Sword in the Stone, which I, I was like, oh, I okay, that's a cool place to hide it. I, I'm okay with this. That was uh, cool. I love that. I love that it was hidden there. Sword in the Stone thing seemed a little... Hokey. But, just... but again... She, Stargirl set this whole universe up. So, you know, it was going to be her, her image of how it should be. So that part I'm fine with. I will say this, though. My favorite of the heroes in this episode was Ray Palmer. And oh, yeah. He, he, like, Craig knows this. Other people who've listened to my other podcasts know this. I'm not usually a fan of the always good guy, the person who is, like, annoyingly good all the time. But the Boy Scout. You don't like yes, Boy Scout. I'm not a big fan of Boy Scout characters, but Ray Palmer is the exception. He was so much fun in this episode and everything that he went through so that he could be knighted. It was just perfect for Ray. Absolutely perfect. It was pretty uh, what, great, but I will say the the one hero that stood out above that was Mick Rory when they figured out that the... Um, he has better, stronger brain power. Yes, that I was, was so dying. That was so much fun. You, got, you, they had because of the whole mind control thing. They had to let like everyone into the darkness of McRory's brain, and it was just, I was dying. I was like, oh, this is so great. This they need more of that, and I, I I'm gonna need him to. Uh, do the opening monologue again. Oh, he, ha- the he, he, need, he needs to be the one who does it every week because yeah. him, him doing it every week fits the tongue in cheek. Star girl is a Merlin uh, oh. type vibe that this show has, it has finally started to perfect. Yeah. I'm a little bummed. They killed captain midnight though. I'll say that much like that. That's a little disappointing. I understand why they did it, but it's kind of sad. Craig, whenever you, kill, whenever you kill a hero, it's sad. Yeah. Craig, Timeless had its season finale this last week. What did you think? Oh, I've been waiting for this. Um, <laughs> it 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 took twists and turns I didn't expect, but boy, what a what a cliffhanger at at the end. I I think I loved almost every bit of it. I I love the the uh, the fact that. She's got her permission to go save her sister, and I loved I love the fact that uh, 
Jake Neville, this character. He originally played, anybody who knows, he usually played Bobby Singer on, on Supernatural. I love the actor. He did a great job in Supernatural. I love to see him gone. I love to see the, uh, I love to see things back to normalcy, except guess what? After all the, all the negotiations and everything that happened, they arrest Flynn. And now he's in jail, and he can't help out in this search for the sister any longer. And so we're back to square one, except guess what? At the very end of the episode, this is a real spoiler alert. Close your ears, Dan. Closed. Lucy's mother, anyone that doesn't want to hear this, is part of Rittenhouse. She is Rittenhouse. She doesn't even want to believe that she's got a daughter. She doesn't care. Screw that. She is Rittenhouse, and she tells Lucy. And then the episode ends, and I freak out. Here's my question. <clears throat> Do you think that she was part of Rittenhouse before Lucy changed history and her sister disappeared? I, I want to believe that she wasn't. When she was sick and 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 in, in desperate need, I want to believe she wasn't. But, God, if she was, that adds a whole new dimension to this whole story. I can't imagine she wouldn't. With time changes, anything could happen. We all know that. And we got it's, to see more of that with the fact that Gia, when she was in the hospital, when her eyes would start like going crazy in the windows, we like outside the window, you would see this very dystopian flash um, appear and then disappear. What did you think of that? <laughs> like I said, I was thrilled with this episode. As much as I like Timeless, my, one of my favorite new shows, if not my favorite new show, um, uh, next to Riverdale, probably those two. I'm just loving. I, I'm fascinated to see what happens in the future. So well, yeah, I, I loved it. That was they did. They've done an awesome job in creating this this universe without using multiverses, just using time. I think they've done a terrific job, and I'm a time fanatic. Let's hope that it gets a second season because the ratings haven't been the greatest. So we shall see if we actually get to see what happens to Lucy Wyatt well, I, and Rufus in another season. Before I move on to Riverdale, though, um, Dan, I believe you have a confession to make. You know, you guys are recommending like 78 different television shows, but man, you guys were right about Timeless. It's really good. I, I'm really enjoying it. I just finished episode six yesterday. Which was the the um, the Watergate stuff, and that was great. I love the Alamo. I've loved like or like every episode. It's it's something new. It's something good. It does so much that I like from Legends, where it like represents aspects of history. But unlike Legends, and this is where they deviate, where like Legends is very much like we must keep everything intact no matter what timeless is kind of like eh, things are all like we need to keep the, most of it intact yeah we need to keep most of it intact there's like a piece of paper that's ripped can we can we glue it together oh now everything's different now there's a new bond movie now lucy doesn't have a sibling um now i oh gosh there now Lee Harvey Oswald doesn't assassinate Lincoln. You know, there, there's just, they're not 
they're interested in the like end goal and the like the details are kind of lost on them which i kind of enjoy and these characters are like super compelling so i really like that who's your favorite uh, um i kind of am gravitating towards either uh wyatt or um rufus just because lucy doesn't have like over after the first six episodes, and this is all I have to judge off of it, she kind of has the same facial expression to pretty much everything. And See, that's how I feel me. about Wyatt. <laughs> like, Wyatt, at least, like, okay, he deviated when he was around Ian Fleming. He deviated when he was going through PTSD stuff. They're, like, when he's in, like, Wyatt mission mode, it's... A standard one, but when he's fanboying over seeing someone that he recognizes and that he admired, it's another thing entirely. It's just been really interesting getting to know these characters. Um, I think everything behind the scenes with uh, Rittenhouse and the government and all of this stuff, and even Flynn to a certain extent, is super shady. Don't trust any of it. I'm interested in seeing more, and I hope this show gets picked up because it gives a fresh spin on time travel. Craig, let's travel through time to Riverdale. (laughs) Okay. This last week, we learned, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Polly was secretly engaged. Or at least Betty, her younger sister, did did not know that Polly was engaged to Jason. And let me tell you, that grandmother was creepy as frack. Oh, God, and I yes. loved it. I loved it. I want this to be a gothic. I want this to end up being a gothic horror series. That's what I want it to end up. Being. It's headed that it, way. Let me tell it, you. Wow. Creepy castles, weird dinners with old people who are just barely, barely west of Norm, Norman Bates. They're so creepy. <laughs> um, yeah, this was a creepy show. <laughs> What'd you think of the episode? Well, I didn't like I didn't like getting rid of Miss Grundy. That that bothered me. I like I like I liked her. I knew it was a creepy part of the, but that's part of the the the, the draw of this whole show is that that uh, everything seems to be kind of a little off kilter. So, but yeah, I loved I loved the episode. I couldn't I, I was riveted through the whole thing. And um, like I said, I want this to end up somehow supernatural, and that that's weird for me. You guys know. Through this whole episode, through the whole thing that I've ever done, it's I'm kind of a traditionalist. This is not traditional Archie, and I don't care. I want it to be creepy and supernatural, and all these weird things happening. So, Cheryl uh, Blossom showed up at her brother's funeral. Everybody was dressed in black, oh, and she was dressed in white. Pure white. Yep, pure white. It was epic. She... Veronica's mom got a, a rattlesnake in a box. Yes. So, of course, Archie's dad had to go be the one to try and protect her, because that's totally where this is headed. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and of course, she's got this weird connection to uh, to Jughead's father. Did, did I get that right? This, she's got this weird connection because because of her, her husband who's in prison, who who has some negotiation with gang members. 
in well, in Riverdale. Honest to God, it was hard to keep track of this one, don't you think? Well, the Jughead episode was two episodes ago where his Jughead's dad was the one where yeah, she understand. was talking to. No, I'm just saying, but in if I'm because I'm trying to remember back to that episode, and in that Hermione basically tells Veronica that not everybody basically from the wrong side of the tracks is bad like you think they are. And then it turns out that she has this connection to Jughead's dad. I thought the bigger reveal of that episode was the fact that Jughead was living in the theater, which was why he it was so important that he didn't want it to be shut down because he's, I guess, estranged from his dad. The drive, he, correct, yeah. the drive-in. He's living in the drive-in. Correct. And so I thought that that was a nice touch. What I find about this show that is so fascinating is how they have been so good at just giving Archie his own story that does not revolve around the women and making it interesting while at the same time giving the women their own story. And because when you think of River or Archie, you think Betty, Veronica and Archie. And this show is able to keep Betty, Veronica, and Archie in terms of like giving us moments. Like he has a moment in every episode with each of the ladies, but their stories are almost completely independent in many ways. I mean, we get, we'll get one episode, we'll get one. No, they're completely, they're completely in, not just in many ways, they are completely independent. Well, but there I, are I, ties. Like, for example, more when Betty's, when Betty's um, investigating the teacher, that ends up being a connection to Archie because of the fact that he was sleeping with her and Betty and Veronica well, yeah. find out. So they, they pull it all together in each episode. But for most of the episode, Archie's off pursuing his music career, which I enjoyed that story. Or Ms. Brundy. Uh, true. Um, and meanwhile, <laughs> Betty and Veronica, Veronica is going to Cheryl Blossom's house and eating dinner in what's probably the most uncomfortable dinner scene we've seen on television in a while. I, I'm really liking how they're balancing it all out. Yeah, I, it, it is. It's uh, each character. Uh, each character has their own story. It's like it's like reading a, a Robert Jordan novel. There, there are all these storylines all going independently of each other. And, of course, they, they merge here and there. But uh, any of you, the Timeless, or not, the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan has the same kind of thing where all these characters are separate, not necessarily equal, but they all have their own story. That you, all, you see what, what happens to each one of them, and they do this all in an hour. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's well-blended. It's well-structured. It's well, well thought out. And and I can't wait to see where it goes. That's so. Yes, Luke, totally agree with you on um, on the, the the way this is structured, and each character is its. Uh, I'm, I'm still struggling with the Reggie character because he's not as big as he was in the comic book series, uh, but uh, to see him come come, but he's coming alive. And at the end of this, uh, where where I didn't I didn't didn't buy the Archie the Archie be t- turning down being the captain of the captain of the football team co-captains i could have seen him do but he reggie needs to be captain with me i didn't see him turning that down because that's not a very teenagery thing to do but but i don't know music is more important uh no dan yes music is important and maybe it's more important if you have the choice between possibly making it huge in music or ending up playing football with head concussions which are you going to choose no luke as a teenager teenage 
years, you're going to accept being captain of the football team and do the and try to do the music too. It's not very. This is not very realistic. That that was the one thing in this whole episode that wasn't realistic at all. Sharing the sharing the captainship with Reggie would have been fine, but it's not that much time to be captain. Dan, uh, did you ever watch Heart of Dixie? On the I didn't. I did not. I was a big OC fan, but I I never quite. Uh, checked out Heart of Dixie. You didn't but, follow Summer I, Heart of Dixie? How I, dare I, you? I followed her to Jumper, okay? I I followed You should have jumped past you should have just jumped right past that. I I followed Seth Cohen to the in the land of women. I I followed him to So um, your OC modifieds are still good, even though you didn't watch Heart of Dixie. Okay. Yeah, Time yeah, out, it, guys. I I watched all of Heart of Dixie. I don't know anything else you're talking about. So please give me a little background if you Okay. Would. Rachel Bilson starred in The OC, which was a primetime soap on Fox, um, oh, as okay. Summer. And so The OC is a very much beloved primetime soap, especially if you yes! grew up in the 90s. And yes. We, so the actor who plays uh, Gordon on Gotham started out on The OC. Uh, oh, really? Rachel Bilson, who starred in Heart of Dixie, started out on the OC. Uh, uh. The actor who played, or no, Seth, Co- no, I was going to say Seth, the actor who played Seth Cohen, whose name slips my mind. Adam Brody. Adam Brody, Adam Brody. started out on the OC. Their, their co-star, Misha Barton, didn't start out on the OC, but it's very much a beloved 90s primetime soap. And so people who are fans of it tend to follow those four actors to their other projects. And so yes. the fact that he didn't follow Rachel Bilson to Heart of Dixie may need to take a notch off of his like OCdom. But I, I'm, <laughs> but that distracts. Unbelievable. That distracts from. Hey, listen, it may detract from it, but I can't remember their names half the time. So I mean, let's. Fair is fair. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna say. Press Williams, who starred in Heart of Dixie, has been cast as Black Lightning. And. For the CW's upcoming show, what did you think of that news, Dan? That was all right. I I'm definitely gonna give it a, a, a shot. Um, CW is currently taking up three out of the four days of the week for me, and I'm really uh or I'm sorry, three out of the five weekdays or week evenings or whatever that uh take up the week, and that's. You know that that that's a big commitment, and so if they put this within the Arrowverse as well, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, what is this going to be on Friday? Are you going to get viewers on a Friday? Like, but what, here's what, my what, question: Will it be well, part just, of the wait, Arrowverse, wait, wait, or will it be part of the Supergirlverse? Well, it's going to be a TV movie first, right? I don't. It doesn't say series; it says TV this, movie. This was a this is a pilot. The drama originally developed for Fox, but ordered to a pilot at the CW. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Craig, maybe wa- this will be. <laughs> oh, I was going to say maybe this will be part of the Gotham verse. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Craig, you watched Heart of Dixie. What did you think of this casting news? Oh, I'm tickled to death. Uh, he's he's one of my favorite characters in a long time. I just love him as the mayor, mayor of of the the community. In uh, Heart of Dixie, I think he's Bluebell. Bluebell, <laughs> Bluebell, yes, Bluebell. I think I think he's kind of a shocker when I first saw him. Um, but he's a former NFL player in Heart of Dixie, and it, he just 
it's so it's sold so well that uh, I, I fell in love with the the actor and the character, and uh, I can't wait to see him. I, you know, he seems like such a great uh, character, a great humorist. He just he plays this with kind of a tongue in cheek kind of kind of feel. So it may add something to this character, Black Lightning, where he's not exactly so serious and and has fun with it without being silly. And so I'm looking well, forward to that. And that may all be dependent on what the director says or wants them of to course. do. So this last week there was some news that Warner Brothers is developing a Nightwing movie to be directed by Lego Batman director Chris McKay. Now, Nightwing, of course, is a beloved character from the Batman universe. And it, Lego Batman movie is awesome. Everything is awesome about the Lego Batman movie. Is that what you're is that the is that the review <laughs> headline? Everything that is, is awesome. That is the review headline. Okay. The Lego Lego Batman is terrific. If you like lots of villains, they're all there including some you've never heard of and I'd love that. The Condiment Man is my personal favorite. The guy who sprays you with ketchup and mustard. That's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> So, Dan, All right, then. what did you think of this news about Nightwing? Is this a character that you look forward to seeing on the big screen? I do, I do. I I've only I haven't seen like extensive parts of Nightwing aside from uh, the stuff from Young Justice, where he's kind of part of a greater team. But I'm really interested uh, to see like you know casting and who who they decide to go with, what type of age range. Um, you know, this would be a really great opportunity for a lot of young actors starting out or actors in different types of mediums that you would you would see them go after. For example, uh, Luke, you might think like, oh, hey, this would be a great opportunity for like a soap actor and, you know, validate the genre even more. Not that it needs the validation, but needless to say, it's always very cool to see those actors uh progress and get those types of roles here's the thing about a nightwing movie which they're going to have to make sure that they cast it correctly it's vitally important because um, in the comics and online dick grayson is knowing known to have the best ass in the universe in the dc universe so that is going to be (laughs) like vitally like like dan and i care you care dan that is that has to be a vitally important casting issue craig uh, what do you think of the Nightwing movie being in development? I don't give a damn about his ass. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Not one tiny little damn do I give about no. his ass. Oh, my God. But that what was... do you think of the movie? I don't know. I've never been a fan of Robin not being Robin and becoming Nightwing, though it is more serious. Robin always was kind of a silly name. Uh, but if they, if they make it a serious movie with a serious cast, with those little moments of humor, I, I'm in. You know, I'm a you know I'm a a, a comic book freak. I'm I'm in, but it, it better be serious. It better See, be a serious character with a with a with a heart of gold and a sense of humor. That kind of thing. It's fine with me. And this sort of leads into a little bit of a discussion that I want to have or get your opinions on. When I saw this news, my first thought was, "Oh crap." Here goes another DC comic character that's going to end up with a terrible movie because thus. But far, a nice ass. Well, potentially. <laughs> like when I was thinking about it, it's like, oh, here we go again. They haven't. They didn't get Batman versus Superman. They the Superman movies, though they made money, weren't that well critically uh, acclaimed. 
Uh, I'm sorry. Hayden. That was a real exaggeration. They were critic critically panned. Well, I'm not talking that about, great. I'm talking the Henry Cavill. The I mean, the Henry Cavill. Oh, movie, I got gotcha. the, the Henry Cavill movie came out. It did decent money, but they weren't sure enough to do it, so they made, gotcha. they turned the second Superman movie into Batman versus Superman: Donna Justice, which wasn't that great. Suicide Squad wasn't Once that again, great. Once again, that's an exaggeration. It was terrible. Um, Suicide Squad wasn't that great. We have terrible. Wonder, we have Wonder Woman <laughs> coming up. We don't know what that's going to be like. But when I was when I heard that they were having Nightwing, I'm like, you know, and, well, and then on top of that, we have the fact that the Flash has had all kinds of problems with its directors. We'll see how the Aquaman develops. Cyborg is still floating out there. We're also getting the the Rock in the Black Adam movie, and we're also and not only that, but we're getting then a Harley Quinn and Catwoman bombshells type um, film. Well, but so but this got... leads me to my question because when I was re- watch or reading that article about Nightwing, I was like, why can't JJ Ab- why can't Warner Brothers just give JJ Abrams a mega contract that says? You will produce the first movie of every single superhero that we launch franchise that we launch, and then once you've launched it, we'll turn it over uh, and let other people continue the franchise. So here's no first one thing. One thing here is Nightwing is an original, pretty much an original character. There's been no movie and no TV, uh, no movie done about him yet. There's TV shows, but no movie done about him yet. So that's that's a positive. Number two, J.J. Uh, Abrams, if, the, if they gave him a three-picture deal, I'd be all in. But not just one film, not just the first he, film. He, like, because then they give it to some awful other director who does something bad with it. Well, so, the thing is, is he, he launched the Star Trek franchise. He relaunched he the Star Wars franchise. He, he set did. the tone for both of those movies. And once you set the tone, you can find directors who can keep that in line. So here would be my question to you, each of you. If you had a director that you had to choose to launch the the individual franchise movies, who would that be? Dan, who would you choose? Since I'm still fairly hopeful of Wonder Woman because of how close it is and how great the trailer is, I'm going to leave her off of this list. Um, however, I would really like to see uh, The Flash get taken on by uh, Brian Singer. I, I think that could be like a, a decent combo because he knows how to balance uh, action and jokes and have like a decent storyline mixed in there. Yeah, the X-Men movies have been all over the map in terms of quality and stuff, but a lot of that stems more from the writing than the directing. Um, so I, I'd really be interested in seeing that. So you would like uh, him to come in and launch every single, like, Nightwing, The Flash, Cyborg, Aquaman. Yeah. You'd like to him to be the person who launches them all, and then someone takes off after him. Yeah. Okay. I mean, cool. he, he he's done a pretty good job with that. I, I think the writing is more key for a lot of these than the directing. Um but in terms of direction on its own and from a production standpoint, the X-Men movies have been fantastic in that. Like, I'm been... going to go a completely different direction. Okay. okay. I'm going to say Joss Whedon. And I'm going to tell you oh, why. Oh, boy. I'm going to tell you why. Because there are very few people that are better at bringing characters alive. 
Joss Whedon has a great uh, a great knack for bringing characters to the screen, bringing characters to the public. I mean, I like, and the thing that makes these movies great is not all the all the bells and whistles of J.J. Abrams. It's not all the flash of of maybe a Brian Singer. It's the characters. It's why the first two X-Men movies were great. The third movie sucked because they got away from just concentrating on the characters and character interaction. I mean, to that's... Be, to, I'm sorry. To be completely fair, that third one was Brett Ratner, not Brian Singer. Like, they had to bring I, Brian Singer back just to I fix understand Brett that. Ratner's... Yeah. I understand that. My point is, though, that that I don't care who the third one was. It's the first two that made a difference, Right. It's yeah. uh, it's the characters that made those two movies great. The character interaction. And when the characters are interacting, it doesn't have to be a huge story because you love the characters together. My two favorite uh, Star Trek movies, and I don't even know who the directors are. I should look this up before I say this, maybe. But the two, the two ones are, of course, always going to be number four, which is the, 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 whale, the whale one, right? A journey, uh, let's see, the Journey Home or something. And the and Wrath of Khan. Those are always... And it's about the characters. It's not about the story. Stories are cool and all, but it's about it's about those incredible characters in those two movies. And what what Abrams did do in the Star Trek movie is he focused on the characters, something that was forgotten in the last Star Trek movie, and why I didn't like it because because the characters and the character interaction wasn't as important. It was this huge monster, weird story, um, and that's what Joss Whedon I think is really good at. So I'm sorry he did the first Avengers movies and not first Avenger movie knocked it out of the park I'm going to go with him and I'm surprised you didn't mention him because I know he's one of your best directors right Luke? It's one of my favorite directors but I really think that there's like J.J. Abrams when it comes to relaunching franchises or launching franchises he nails it for me and so that's why I would choose him over. I'm not disputing either of you guys. No, no, I'm not. I know. For for, for me, it's just one of those things where I can't think of any. If I have a beloved character that I want to see come to the big screen, I can't think of anybody who is going to do that story better than J.J. Abrams. Joss Whedon would be a close second. But for me, after Star Trek and the way that he relaunched Star Wars, he just did such a good job with both of them. I trust him implicitly. The movie Logan is coming up. The the last of Hugh Jackman's um, appearances as Wolverine. The I've been seeing some of like the reviews from people who were like the reactions from people who have seen the screeners, and I am really scared because I'm getting my hopes up really really high, and that is a dangerous thing to have because disappointment is a bitch. Um, <laughs> It was announced. Patrick Stewart announced this last week that he's retiring from the X Men movies. Um, he said in an interview on Sirius um, XM in a town with a, in a town hall discussion about the Logan film that um, while watching the Logan movie, I sat there and I realized there will never be a better, more perfect, a more sensitive, emotional, and beautiful way to say au revoir to Charles Xavier than this movie. I told Hugh Jackman that same evening, I'm done too. It's all over. I that on one hand that makes me really excited about Logan. On the other hand, not seeing Stewart as Xavier in any more X-Men films 
is heartbreaking. Craig, what are your thoughts? I'm not excited about Logan at all. I'm seeing a, a superhero who's supposed to be able to heal himself and basically has lived forever as have a beaten ever, up have old you man. Ever, have you ever read the old man Logan comic line on which this one is based? I don't want to. Thank you very much. Okay, because the reason why I was wondering is it's, it's very it's very critically acclaimed, and so they're using they're using the old Logan premise for this film. I understand that. I I don't even want to know about it. I wish you hadn't said it. It's, I want to clear that from my mind. Uh, this is the only uh, superhero movie, other than other than the third of the new Batman series with Christian Bale, uh, that I I really don't want to see. I don't want to see a crippled old man playing a superhero. I just don't want to see it. I have no desire to see it. I probably will see it, but I don't want to. So, um, it's I don't like I don't like the idea of superheroes. I like the the fantasy of superheroes not growing old. Superman is now in his is almost ninety, I think, as is Batman. But I don't want them to be that. I want them to be young forever. So. I don't mind seeing Logan grow old in the natural course of uh, of events. I do not like all of a sudden throwing out a movie where he's he's old. I didn't like the third Batman movie, as I said, with Christian Bale. I don't want to see Patrick Stewart retire this early. I'd rather see him make his billion dollars from starring in these another 10 years. Well, but, he this is his choice, so we'll see. It's his choice. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't like it after the few movies that he made when Sean Connery retired from the 007 series and then jumped back in. And that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. Uh, I wanted to see Sean Connery in half a dozen more movies and retire gracefully. I didn't like it when Jordan retired from the NBA. It's the same feeling I'm having, though maybe a little stronger on that one. And Sean Connery than on Patrick Stewart. I don't I don't like it. It seems early um, when there's still stuff to do. But but it's his choice. It's his decision. And I will I will sob quietly in my pillow as I as I watch him go. Dan, what are your thoughts on this? Was, was that a little dramatic, Luke? Just a little. I appreciate the sentiment as, as both a Chicago Bulls fan and a, uh, <laughs> a and a fan of watching Patrick Stewart as Charles Xavier and a fan of the animated Mex or the animated X Men series of the nineties, uh, uh. because this like these movies felt more along those lines at times uh, than anything I had ever seen or heard. Um, I hadn't necessarily checked out a lot of the comics, but the, these types of films, especially when they go after some a storyline so iconic as Old Man Logan and X-23 and stuff like that, where you're, you're getting to see this played out with the characters that you grew up with like that that's the biggest thing where like it's the same reason that mark hamill and or mark hamill would come back to do the joker for the killing joke you want to see these iconic characters and these iconic actors who played the characters play out these long critically acclaimed stories it's it's the same principle um, in terms of Patrick Stewart, yeah, I'm going to be bummed not seeing him. Um, that being said, it looks like James McAvoy is back for the next movie. So, and given the fact that they created this 
extra timeline where it's like sort of the past. Well, it's supposed to be the past, but sometimes it's not quite the past. Um, <laughs> yeah, they really play that fast and loose. And I, yeah, do. I don't necessarily appreciate that aspect. But they get almost of, DC. They get almost DC as as they do this, right? Yeah, they, where they sort Little of forget. Too, yeah, <laughs> or or like Bond movies where like uh, Casino Royale and all of the Daniel Craigs are supposed to be prequels, but then M dies in uh, Skyfall. Yeah, and so I'm like, what is going on with this timeline? Um, <laughs> so it, but on this, in the same token, X Men. Like it, it's been such an important part to have, you know, Ian McClellan and Hugh Jackman and uh, Patrick Stewart and Halle Berry and. But even didn't you even have some lo- secret? Didn't you have some secret desire to to see to see Hugh Jackman with Deadpool at some point? Yeah, I mean, Ryan Reynolds that, has been trying for that, uh, but uh, trying to get him. But that all, I know, but, but those I. Are, but if he if he totally retires from it, that could never happen. So the possibility is gone. And science fiction, fantasy, and comic book is all about possibilities. Can that character come back? And that's and if he completely retires, there's no possibility. I don't like that very much. So two points, really quick. Uh, basically, Hugh Jackman's gone on record saying that if. Uh, X-Men were to ever go into the Marvel Universe, he would come back to play Logan, no questions asked. So the idea of him never coming back, while is is more likely, it it's still there. there's still hope out there. The second point I would mention is that as cool as it would be to see him on screen with Ryan Reynolds, I mean, we as, as bad as it was, we already had it. So oh, God, yeah. I, I <laughs> don't bring I, that up ever. <laughs> I'm I'm I I I'm not that invested since we already got it in some form. Um, but needless to say, yeah, it's dis- or it's sad to see them go. But I'm looking forward to this movie. I kind of wish the fans got their wish and had the movie be be in black and white because the immersive experience of Logan is would have been just like. Maybe, that, the... maybe they they'll do that in well, maybe they'll turn it black and white in a like an alternate um, or extra DVD sen- scenario. Well, and Dan, okay, I always on, imagine on... that was in. I always imagine that Wolverine was in Earth too. It was a different Wolverine, so I'm okay with that. Oh, on that note, uh, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. <laughs> Follow Geek Confidential on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Write us a review on iTunes. Dan, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Real Dan Pierce on Twitter. And Craig, where can they find you? At ZMovieManiac or MovieMadnessPodcast.com. And as always, you can find me at Luke underscore Kerr. Under, until next time, so long. Rest in peace, Bill Paxton. We love you. This is Craig saying goodbye. See you guys.